Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. On the Advertising Show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and the Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production. Our special guest today is Steve Kaplan. We're going to talk about a new book. It's called Bag the Elephant, How to Win and Keep Big Customers. And uh, Steve is going to have a, a whole bunch of great things to say about that. And just uh, yeah, you need to key in for the, the entire two hours of today's show. Uh, so we hope you'll stick around for that. We also have, uh, in just a few moments, Patrick Meyer joining us. Something about smart activism. Joe Jaffe, a different perspective, has uh, uh, the term, the big, uh, I shouldn't say the big screen, the third screen. Do you know what that means, Brad? That would be the computer. Yes, or a cell phone or something like that. In other words, alternative uh, ways of advertising. Jeffrey Gittimer is with us, too. Uh, Andy Borowitz. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, Bruce Abbott, our Wacky World of Marketing feature with the Jet Set. And uh, this hour, it's uh, it's good advertising, our advertising showcase as well. You may wonder why Brad sounds just a little bit different. He doesn't have a cold, although I do. Uh, I'm here in the studio. Brad is on the road. Uh, every week, um, every holiday season, what Brad does is actually packs up the the, the kids, nine, the, what is it, four boys and uh, five girls, is that right? Uh, and, and, the, and the dogs and all that kind of stuff, and heads up to a little place uh, north of Toronto uh, called Peterborough, Ontario, and, uh, and is, is in a log cabin actually on a lake called Stony Lake. So that's why, Brad, you've got the fire going, right, Brad? I actually I overshot it this time. I'm up in Nova Scotia now. Oh, well, turn left, okay? I'm, I'm turning around right now, now that you mentioned it. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, so Brad's on the road this weekend, and uh, we're here uh, for the advertising show. It's good to have you. So how you been? Well, doing great. Uh, and I hope everybody's had a great uh, holiday and a great Thanksgiving. I know uh, every year it's uh, your favorite and mine as well because it gives us an excuse to pull out that one uh, box that we bought back in 1963 of Alka-Seltzer and take that half a tab and then uh, and then move on and wait till next year or at least till next Christmas. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And I make my my special uh, dressing that makes everybody sick uh, because it's too hot and spicy and I enjoy that. It's fun. So I'm wow. looking forward to that anyway. Well, I thought it had to do with you not wearing the hairnet and the glove. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too, okay? That too. Well, let's see. Well, by now you know that uh, uh, Martha Stewart has been fired from The Apprentice. That that happened about a week or so ago. Right. And, uh, you know, they, the, what they're saying is uh, while Trump's Apprentice was an instant hit last year on its debut, Martha opened with Little Sizzle, drawing just 7.1 million viewers, uh, according to the uh, Nielsen Media Research. For the season to date, the average show is 6.8 mil. Um, Apprentice Martha Stewart opened the season for NBC in a leadoff slot, and apparently her other show uh, is delivering fair to middling ratings since its September premiere as well. So things aren't as rosy on uh, television for Martha. Isn't that kind of interesting? Well, yeah, and we've talked here on the show about how you know Martha Stewart, with her uh, femininity and female uh, bravado type of... Uh, a way of running companies that just really didn't translate to the apprentice uh, uh, model, if you will. Uh, you know, the apprentice and Trump and all of that. I mean, that, that's a, that's a male-oriented uh, viewer that is going to be attracted to that type of uh, 
a show, and I think to put Martha in that role was a mistake from the beginning. So, you know, uh, I guess uh, uh, the producer who's had a string of hits, uh, uh, Mark Burnett, uh, this will be marked up as a failure for him. You know, you were talking about... uh, uh, the new studies that were out uh, before we went on the air today, Ray. Online marketing services company EROI Inc. will soon announce the results of their study that is uh, that was conducted in uh, third quarter 2005 on email deliverability and efficiencies. And this is very interesting that they found that email read and click-through rates uh, are the lowest during the middle of the week and the highest on Sunday and Friday, which traditionally had not really been the thinking of most uh, most people in the know. In addition, the report reaffirms that sending volume is uh, in, uh, inversely related to how reads and clicks uh, are going to react uh, as it relates to uh, uh, the uh, recipient. So if you're looking at, uh, and we're talking about, of course, not just an email for you or me, but if you're doing an email campaign, uh, the highest uh, read and highest click-through rates are going to be uh, accomplished on Sundays and on Fridays. So it's an interesting uh, bit of information there. <laughs> Spam away. <laughs> we have uh, we have Patrick Meyer on the advertising show with Rachel Lenz and Brad Forsyth. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. Today I'm going to talk to you about something called smart activism. It's happening all around us. It's happening with you. It's happening with your clients, with your brands. The new empowered consumer has a range of dimensions, one of which is what I call smart activism. Let me share with you a quote from a consumer that I spoke with many months back. I say no to drugs, but yes to Canadian prescriptions. How lame is it that big pharmaceutical companies are charging my grandparents in America inflated prices for prescriptions and cheaper rates in Canada? So we have mobilized to create an on and offline groundswell that will stop this violation. What this reflects is a groundswell of activism that's helped by internet and access to information like never before. What he said was he learned about prescriptions in Canada. His grandparents were looking for cheaper prescriptions because they're on a budget. They found other people through AARP who had the same dilemma. They rallied on the internet and are now lobbying with their politicians at election time. This is activism. Yeah, it's got pricing and value concerns underneath, but it's a whole new form of activity and thinking by people going forward, and this is just one pocket. So my headline to you is to think about the now consumer. They think a different way. Understand them and modify your business model, your marketing and advertising approach, because it's not business as usual. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. This is Patrick Meyer, CEO of Now, and remember, the marketing revolution has begun. For more, go to nowinc.net. Good stuff, as always, from uh, Patrick Meyer here on The Advertising Show. It's Ray Shillings and uh, Brad Forsyth here. Just a few moments away from joining Steve Kaplan in conversation. Brad, Steve is in the uh, beautiful city of Chicago, and uh, so we'll be talking to him uh, for for both hours, actually, here. So, Hey, let me clear something up. You mentioned spam, and, you know, today spam, unsolicited email, is the junk mail of the computer age, and, uh, you know, what, what we're really talking about here, and then, uh, you know, for me, and I'm sure you, Ray, uh, junk mail and never made it into the house. We would uh, stop at our trash and throw it in the trash True. and then bring the good mail right. in. And it's the same thing with spam. Spam goes to a, a, 
to a spam blocker. It doesn't make it through. It's rare that it makes it through my spam blocker. And I think uh, hopefully one day soon, uh, spam will be uh, there will be an opt-in required uh, for you to receive spam. And I don't know how they'll ever police that, but they're talking about that right now. But when it comes to solicited uh, email, where you've opted in, you know, Sundays and Fridays are the big days. All the spam. Please, leave me and Ray alone. <laughs> yes, we get some here at the Advertising Show. How about that? Back in just a minute, uh, more on the, uh, the show with uh, Steve Kaplan, as we said, joining us momentarily. It's good stuff. Stick around. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Uh, these are the three largest selling soft drinks. Now, let's have a look and see what makes them so popular. Uh, as you can see, this one is a cola. It looks it's The Advertising Show, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And back, as promised, with our special guest, Steve Kaplan. Steve uh, has made a career of shepherding businesses to success and helping others do the same. He is founder of a, a company with a really cool name. It's called The Difference Maker Incorporated, which provides a range of business tools to help companies of all sizes succeed. What a concept, huh, Brad? As an expert on marketing and entrepreneurship, Steve has been the subject of many print interviews and profiles uh, in such media like Advertising Age, uh, Cranes, Business, Food and Beverage, Chicago Tribune. And uh, we're talking about today, amongst other things, is Bag the Elephant, How to Win and Keep Big Customers. It's a brand new book. And Steve, welcome to the Advertising Show. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, Steve, uh, before we get started, a great book published on uh, Bard Press uh, there. And wanted to ask you, how, did, how in the world did you get George from Seinfeld, Jason Alexander, to pose there on the front cover? Yeah, it wasn't easy, you know. He's, uh, we're, you know, we're clones, you know. <laughs> oh, is that you? Well, Brad Pitt was busy, you know. <laughs> we could, you know, couldn't get him. We had to go. We had to go the second route. Well, and for those uh, listeners that may not be familiar, it's a, a, obviously. A, 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 I would imagine through the uh, through the trickery of, of today's technology, you're not really standing in front of a real. Life I am. Uh, no, I'm right in front there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's what was so great. The, there's only one picture in the whole book that was photoshopped, and that's the one of Nelly on the couch. Huh. Well, that's interesting, and I got to tell you, if you're if you uh, want to know more about how to to sell and keep customers uh, happy, man, I got to tell you, this book is outstanding, and uh, I think you know being able to get John uh, Pepper, former chairman and CEO of Procter and Gamble, to write the forward of the book says uh, says a lot about uh, I guess what pictures you have of him uh, in storage. I don't know. How you that. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> you know, Ed, that's a great point. He's a great guy. And it was really important to me, though, in talking about this, because when I started with P&G, I didn't know anyone. I mean, it's literally the receptionist. I knew I had three employees. You know, my annual sales were $40,000. It's a small marketing, you know, slash ad agency kind of a thing, very small. And I, you know, I just wanted to kind of, to me, that really kind of helped illustrate and drive the point home that you can be successful, successful enough to actually have a chairman and CEO actually write a forward of a book for you. Yeah, and that, uh, you know, certainly sets the tone for the, the quality of what uh, wisdom you impart in your book, and I would encourage all of our listeners to check that out. You know, uh, some of your, your uh, topics that you, uh, and it's all great stuff, some of the topics that you 
hit upon that really uh, I think is on a lot of people's minds today is this uh, lack of personal touch that we have uh, with uh, business-related calls. And, and you suggest never leave voice messages. I think many of our listeners might find that uh, an unusual piece of advice. Explain what you mean by that. Well, you know, the, the voice the voicemails are really left, and, you know, it's like a new technology, I think, designed to just drive everybody who sells crazy, you know. And uh, and uh, and really what, you know, pe we leave voicemails, quite honestly, not because it's our preferred method, but we just do it because we're kind of conditioned to do so. Um, the reality of it is, especially in these big companies, you're not going to get a call. I mean, it's as simple as that because they have a lot of things going on, and unless you know them, now if you know them and, and you've been working with them, yeah, of course, you know, voicemail is fine for many, many, many emails, fine for many, many, many things too. But if you're if you're trying to get an appointment, you're trying to get in, and you're trying to start you know the ball going, um, you know, starting to try to build a relationship, you can't do it like that. I mean, they're just you know, and what happens, uh, Brad, is that you um, you know you go in and you take yourself out of the ball game because if you call and leave a message, you know, you can't call back every hour, every day. You know, you have to leave some time. So you got to manage that nudge factor. And would you would you uh, find that it would be acceptable to uh, leave a voicemail message but not burden the individual with calling you back and use it kind of as a message board in, in effect to keep your name in front of uh, who it is that you're wanting to talk talk with? Yeah, again? absolutely. You can do that for sure. You yeah. can do that. I mean, you know, again, it's 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 a tool. You know, it's uh, you know it's, it's a member of the arsenal. It's not you know it's not the the, the end all. And yeah, it could be a player supporting role. Um, in the process, you know, to be sure, but you just have to, you know, then if, but if you leave that message, again, you know, if you left one message like that and you want to get a hold of somebody, if you're just cranking through a list, like I used to do, 100 names, just start to the top, go to the bottom, start over, you can't, you know, you're out, you, you take yourself out of that rotation, you're taking that person out of the rotation until, you know, like the, the nudge factor has, has gone away. Right. Uh, describe for our audience uh, the central hypothesis of your book, uh, Back the Elephant, if you would please, Steve. Sure. Well, uh, it's, it's, it's based on the premise that any company, any industry, anybody could get a huge company as a client. And I'm not talking about, you know, just a little bit of a company. I'm talking about a huge company. And it's, it's, it's my strategy for doing this. I've had a you know, little bit of success. I've owned 35 businesses and sold 30 of them. I was able to retire when I was 39. And a lot of it is following these principles that I outline in the book. These are things that, through my career, I would never, you know, quite honestly, I'd never share with anybody outside my own company. I would never tell them my strategy of getting these big accounts. You know, how at P&G did I go from, um, from you know, $10,000 contract to $60 million, $60 million in five years? How did I do it again at Walmart and Visa and Ford and Pfizer and J&J &J and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because there's a method to it, you know. Um, but now that, you know, that I have, you know, I've kind of moved on into some different things, Kind of like, um, and kind of like, um, just wanting to, to to share that that process and that strategy with others, so that you know they too can you know can, can be can be effective at it. Yeah, I, I can hear in my mind's eye, or my, in my uh, mind's eye, yeah, I guess uh, that that many smaller business people out there that may be listening today are asking themselves, is this a formula that you go about, or is this just a mind shift and attitude? What, what would your advice be? Well, it's really not a formula, and it's also, guys, to be really clear, it is. This is not some get-rich-quick thing. This is a lot of work. It's not easy. It's, it's, it's. But the thing is, it's very worth it. What it is is, it's an understanding, right? It is a strategy. Yeah, there's, there's some, there's some central themes that go through the, 
books, things like embedding your company and yourself and your sales people into the fabric of these big companies. You know, how do you do that? Uh, the, the, the main things talk about um, things like you know, how these big companies operate. You know, and, and I'll tell you the other point that's really important here, I think, to mention is that you know, there's a lot of things out there that talk about being motivated. A lot of things out there says work hard, keep working, keep pressing. You can do it. You can do it. Well, my philosophy is different. Mine is everybody works hard. Your competitors work hard. You know, if you don't, you have no shot. So you got to do that. You got to care. Got to be motivated. The difference is the people who actually know what to do. Those with the knowledge of that, of of what their their end state is, how to get there, they're going to be successful. And the knowledge that I, I try to distill in, in this book are things like how these big companies operate. You know, what is it about them that you know that that we can utilize in our own industry? If we sell printing, if we have a dog walking company, if we are a consultant or a marketing company, what is it that they have that that, that you know understand that can help us be successful? Things like language. Language is a kind of a funny thing. We are uh, we are talking to uh, Steve Kaplan here on the advertising show. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. The book is called "Bag the Elephant: How to Win and Keep Big Customers." Steve, founder of the Difference Maker Incorporated, and we've got uh, more time with Steve. That's a good thing. Out of Chicago with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe on the advertising show. On sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. Looking to make more sales there, Sparky? You don't need more sales techniques. You need more friends. Think about your best customers. How did they get that way? Don't you have great relationships with them? If you're friends with your best customer, it will often eliminate the need for price checking, price negotiating, and delivery time demands. You can even occasionally give bad service and still keep the customer. There's another huge bonus to being friends with your customers. Competition is eliminated. Your best competitor couldn't blast you away from a customer who is also your friend. Most salespeople think that unless they're calling a customer to sell something that it's a wasted call and nothing could be further from the truth. People don't like to be sold, but they love to buy. So how do you start building friendships? Slowly. It takes time to develop a relationship. It takes time to build a friendship. And if you're listening to this and thinking, I don't have time for this relationship stuff. I'm too busy making sales. You better find a new profession because this one won't last long. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. 
Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Stronger than dirt. Stronger than dirt. On the advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and uh, Steve there in Chicago is using that Ajax to clean up all of the mess left over from Thanksgiving, you see, Brad. And uh, what, quite a bit. It was a good meal, though. Steve Kaplan out of Chicago with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. We're talking about the book, uh, amongst other things, Bag the Elephant, How to Win and Keep Big Customers. And, Steve, uh, welcome back to the advertising show. Yeah, and uh, for those that may just be joining us, uh, you know, you were talking a little bit, uh, Steve, about how uh, it's really about understanding for going after a larger clients, as a small, a smaller company might be interested in doing, of knowing uh, knowing the end game, knowing the language of the larger company, and how to really uh, play by, I guess, their rules. And before we jump back into that, I'm curious: did you determine yourself? Uh, that, that there were other smaller companies that were successfully doing business with P&G when you worked there, or did you see an absence of this? or How did you come about uh, understanding that there was an opportunity here? Well, uh, you know, for our industry, it was, you know, it was marketing advertising industry. I mean, you know, they were, they were, they were the king of the jungle, you know. <laughs> they, you know, spending, really. You go to the industry guides and you go to you know, who's spending what and who's doing, you know, who's doing what. And then really there's a whole thing I talk about in terms of positioning your company and finding the right elephant which is also a thing. Like I said, I'm a Chicago guy, so there's plenty of... For me, it was not a packaged goods company. There's plenty of Quaker, Kraft, Sara Lee. I mean, there's a Leaf. There's a Alboro Culver. Tons of companies. But for me, the, the one that made the most sense was, was P&G because my products tended to work really well. They took a little long, about a year to actually get going and shape buyer behavior. The companies in Chicago tended to really look at results more on a quarterly basis. P&G looked at things more long-term. Philosophically, they were a better fit for my product. And for what I sell, so I focused, you know, I focused on them. That's after, by the way, <laughs> focusing on the ones in Chicago and not doing as good as I would have liked to have done, right? <laughs> and I just figuring out what the heck wrong. And that's a lot of stuff that I think is in a way it's kind of funny in the book. Is it's not all about all this stuff is great insight. There is a lot. There's tons of great insight. But what it is, a lot of it is stuff that that I did wrong. You know, so the things I didn't really have a book like this out there. So you know, I, you know, things I did wrong. So learning from it. So that others can 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 see through you know through hypotheses through a, a scenarios case studies examples of things like that you know, how to how to learn language in a company just whatever it is how to learn certain things so that they can be more effective quicker and they don't have that big learning curve. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about that. I think a lot of uh, well, using P and G as an example, I think a lot of uh, smaller mid-sized companies might be a little intimidated and uh, and wanting to you know go after business in such a, a Goliath type of company. How do you figure out, uh, you know, the language of a, a large company like that? Do you network with others that have already successfully uh, been accomplished doing a, a, having a business relationship? Do you do it uh, through other channels? How do you go about this, Steve? Well, it, it's interesting. I, really out, I kind of outline, you know, the four things you really need to know about these big companies, like who does what in the buying process and, and um, where, you know, the, the, um, the supplier procurement program, how to be an approved supplier and, and um, the budget cycle, where you need to be, and then language. And it's interesting. Language is kind of funny. If we're sitting, us three are sitting in a cafe in Prague, which would be pretty good right about now, I think, you know, and yeah. we're sitting there, we're talking English, we stick out as tourists. Well, you go to these big companies, and you start walking around there, and you, and you don't talk their language, 
you, you're a tourist in mm -hmm. that company. You know, be, be local, be a resident, and it's very easy to do. You know, language is a very finite thing. If you know what you're in, if you don't, you're not. Very easy. So to find it out, you know, it could do two things. For example, you know, I could be calling Ray, say, Ray, say Steve Kappa. I'd love to get in there and spend some time and tell you about our programs. Um, do you have time to meet me on the third conference room on the right by the water fountain? Mm -hmm. or, or, Ray, this is Steve Kappa. Hey, I'm going to be in the building next week. Can you meet me in SW4 for 10 minutes? Yeah, in right. In both cases, I'm asking for a meeting, right? Right. But in the latter, it shows I know what SW4 is. I've been there. Who do I know in the company? They don't know. What have I done? They don't know. Politically, you know, is it important for them to meet with me? They don't know. But I'm saying it with confidence, and I'm saying it like, like I know their world. And you know how hard that information is? On the outside of the conference room, outside the lobby, on a plaque, it says SW4. <laughs> no harder than that. And there's so many things like that that we don't even think about. Contracts. It's opening the door is what it's doing, isn't it, Steve? Yeah. It, 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 it's, allowing you, it's allowing you to be successful. It's allowing you to, to begin to... Um, you know, kind of embed yourself or assimilate into that culture, into that organization. They have terms and names and acronyms for everything. Give you one more quick thing. Uh, they, um, you know, P&G, we were talking about them before. I had a company that sold targeted marketing. Well, Proctor called it point of market entry, POEM. So all my paperwork, all my sales sheets, everything at Proctor said POEM, point of market industry. There was no term target marketing at P&G. It was everywhere else. But I sold their programs, their language. You got it on the website. You got it, everything they said, everybody I talked to. None of my competitors did that. I never understood why. Hmm. But I sold programs that they wanted to buy. This is where their focus was. Very easy. It took, it took nothing to figure that out. There's a lot you know, of that, tons of things like that. That sounds, uh, you know, I guess it's all about being resourceful and being creative. And when you hear someone like yourself explain it that way, it seems so obvious and so logical. I'm curious. Can you take a relationship with one company, a large company, and go horizontal with it and, and uh, open other doors with other like companies? Yeah, absolutely. And, what you, and that's why, you know, when you're signing whatever contracts you're going to sign, you know, you try to narrow your exclusivity so, you know, you're not breaching any confidences and you can go ahead and do that. Because it's very easy, once you get going in this thing, to replicate, you know, your successes, uh, it becomes a, 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 an innate thing. It happens automatically. You're able to say not only the, the, the things you're selling and what you're doing, but how you're selling internally. Once you get in there, and I talk about this in detail, how you walk someone through a, a process that they have of, um, you know, of, of implementing their part of the contract, how these are opportunities to link up with other parts of the people. And these processes are a huge advantage. We've got uh, Steve Kaplan, our special guest on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Bag the Elephant, How to Win and Keep Big Customers. We've got Steve uh, back with us next hour as well. Stay with us. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy. Let your aching head and stomach hear this message from Old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz. And on your fourth trip to the bathroom, sing along with us here on The Advertising Show as we get the holidays officially uh, underway with Ray Shillings and uh, Brad Forsyth. We've got Steve back uh, next hour, by the way, and we hope you'll uh, stay with us for that as well. Uh, let's see. Holiday shopping done already? No. Uh, if you've got some discretionary income, Brad, uh, Knight Ritter newspaper chain is up for sale. Gee, wonder why, huh? 
You know, I heard that I read something about that, and uh, who is it? Uh, Tribune. Uh, the Tribune company is supposed to be uh, being urged by two different individuals. One was saying, uh, sell your, your TV companies and uh, TV stations and get your funds together to buy Knight Ritter. And another individual, which I happen to agree with, was saying, uh, sell the uh, newspaper properties that... Uh, uh, the Times uh, that uh, uh, the Tribune owns and uh, purchase uh, and do not purchase Knight Ritter and purchase uh, hmm. purchase something else. So, you know, it's it's been bad news for the uh, newspaper industry for a while now. Our average weekly circulation of newspapers fell 2.6 percent in the past six-month period, ending just this past September, Ray, according to a report released on Monday by the ABC Audit Bureau of circulation, uh, circulation, Sunday circulation fell 3.1%. And, you know, I don't know about you, Ray, but it wasn't so long ago that newspapers uh, were arrogant 10 years ago. They were, you know, this is our rate, uh, this is what you're going to pay. And if you don't like it, I'm talking about from an advertiser standpoint, not subscription. If you don't like it, uh, too bad. And then for many years, newspapers, major daily newspapers, would increase their rates uh, on the calendar year uh, and they would do it not because they had more audience to, do, to deliver advertisers. Mm -hmm. They did it just, again, out of arrogance. And I think many advertisers uh, today are enjoying seeing newspapers now scurrying around trying to figure out how to uh, give an advertiser a better way to advertise in their paper, or uh, dropping rates, not having increases as they once did, trying to come up with some unique way to advertise in uh, a medium that has an audience that's losing market share, significant market share, and has been for many years now. So I think when, when you're not treated right uh, years ago, uh, and now and now today and in more recent years, you begin to flounder and, and not do as well. Those that, uh, those that uh, dealt with you during good times when you had that attitude, they remember, and, and they tend to enjoy when you're not, uh, not doing so well. And there's been uh, several uh, newspapers as well that have had problems with uh, portraying numbers that weren't real, and they had to give a little bit back to their advertisers, right, That Yeah, exactly. There's some credibility issues with regard to circulation. There have been some issues with regard to uh, credibility with uh, regard to journalists uh, reporting, and, and, you know, we've all read about the problems the New York Times have had in that regard. So, you know, newspapers, uh, they're looking to the, to the Internet, to save them, and many have understood and figured out a way to go to the Internet and, and uh, translate their content to an online version and be able to uh, generate more revenue through uh, an Internet version of, of their uh, paper versus the traditional channel, and I think that's where they will find, uh, find their answers to their problems that they're having today. Got about a minute and a half here before we uh, go to the break here, and uh, it's this week. It's uh, advertising showcase, good advertising on the advertising show. Hey, Brad, uh, the Gap uh, holiday season campaign. Don't know whether you uh, have seen anything uh, out there, but uh, uh, it is dropping uh, past stars like Sex in the City, Sarah Jessica Parker, to focus on business at hand, serious shopping. Uh, they're doing a print and internet blitz, a print and internet blitz, folks. A thirty-two page booklet, how to give the favorite. It's being placed in major magazines like uh, Lucky, Vogue, In Style, as well as a, a website with gift ideas, downloads of holiday ringtones, and interactive tools for making gift coupons and custom CD labels. Isn't that cool? Yeah, and a few years ago, you would have seen a Gap ad in the newspaper, and it just you know bears out what I was saying earlier. You know, here here they're using print and internet advertising to reach the same uh, 
same consumer. Isn't that uh, isn't that interesting? Yeah, very much so. Go for it. You got something quick there? I was just going to mention, uh, IWantMedia.com, uh, earlier this uh, past week, I had some headlines from uh, I Want Media. Shares of media companies are underperforming as investors worry about the growing use of the Internet. Uh, another headline, more and more consumers are said to be turning to the Internet, the iPod and the cell phone. Uh, that's from Philly.com. The end of TV, as you know it, from Business Week. AOL to have reruns on demand from WashingtonPost.com. Old media, miss online market again from thestreet.com. I mean, you know, as you go through IWantMedia.com, which is a great uh, newsletter, uh, they're telling you the way the world is, and the world is changing in the world of media, and it's an interesting time we live in right now. We're going to be back here in just a moment on the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and uh, this week we're going to look at the good side of advertising with our advertising showcase. Stay with us. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. You know me. Would you believe I'm Bugs Bunny? I'm also the voice of many other cartoon characters. But in here, they don't care if I'm Elmer Fudd. So I carry an American Express card, the one card I need for travel and entertaining, for business and pleasure. But without this... The only way I'd get any attention is by saying, that's all, folks. To apply for a card... It's the advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. It's really interesting to look on the gasoline pumps these days. They had to put uh, uh, tags on them, of course, because of the price of gasoline. And even American Express puts a $75 limit on... uh, on your gas purchase, which I think is kind of strange. I mean, it really shouldn't matter with American Express, but I guess it does. Every week we look at the upside and the downside of advertising. This week it it happens to be good, so I'm anxious to to see what Brad's come up with here. And now it's time for the Advertising Show's Advertising Showcase, an outstanding example of on-target advertising. For the good stuff, here's Ray and Brad. So uh, what are we looking at this week, Brad? Well, you know, we've uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Here we are, and it was about a month ago the World Series began, and I've held on to this uh, outstanding newspaper ad, and I better get it in now before spring training starts. Uh, it's, it's a great way of uh, a great example of how to do newspaper advertising the right way. Let me describe it for you. Imagine a an ad five and a half inches high, running the full length of the bottom of a page. This was in the Wall Street Journal. It's two colors. It's a bright yellow with uh, red type. Uh, so it's a relatively small ad, if you can envision that, yet it's very colorful and very attention-getting. And the headline reads, To those who carried their teams to the World Series, don't worry, we'll carry everything else. And then you have the DHL, which is the advertiser, the DHL logo, the website, and the Major League Baseball logo, uh, and that's it. That's the ad. Obviously, DHL was a an eventual World Series TV advertiser, which gives them the right to use the uh, reference there. But the ad plays off of the timeliness. And, again, this ran the week uh, uh, of the kickoff of the World Series. And, again, I've held on to that. So uh, the ad plays off the timeliness of the heightened interest of the World Series and the beginning of the World Series. And, you know, it ties in beautifully to DHL's core brand promise. And uh, this ad... Uh, from DHL and Ogilvy made in New York is, a, is a, uh, as I said earlier, an outstanding example of how to create a simple yet targeted uh, message, in this case the readers of the Wall Street Journal, in an impactful and m- memorable uh, uh, 
uh, way. The next time uh, for you out there thinking about doing a, a newspaper ad of some sort, after we were knocking newspaper earlier, <laughs> if, uh, if you're thinking about doing a newspaper ad, this is a good uh, good way to remember uh, through DHL's example how to clever yet uh, cleverly yet simply approach uh, your message. And, and many times I perform a big, wordy, dramatic, creative approach. And just uh, the key here, I think, is keeping it simple and and not necessarily thinking that a big ad is necessarily the way it has to go, but keeping it simple and keeping your message and the amount that you're going to put into the ad down to a minimum and hope that you can hope that you can accomplish one or two things within a small ad than trying to cram too much in it, which so many times we see newspaper ads trying to do too much uh, within the space that it's given. Mm -hmm. So congratulations to DHL and their agency will be Mather, New York, for this week's Advertiser Showcase Item of the Week. You know, it's real interesting, too. I think you make a very good point uh, uh, with that ad, uh, especially as a local advertiser, how many people just try to cram and cram and cram and got to yeah. tell it all. But they can see, if, if, they're, if they're smart, they should go to the newspaper prior to you know, planning a newspaper campaign and saying, you know, that is really good. I want my ad to look just like that. But but they get drawn into this other world, and it's it's unfortunate. Well, I think a lot of them think that the that the reader is as interested in what goes between those four borders of their of their ad as they are in cramming it with uh, content. So as a result, they tend to lose their objective objectivity, the local advertiser, and they tend to put uh, too much in within that space and uh, and and the crazy part about it ray is that as they sit there with the ad and they play around with the different information and sizing this up and down and driving their newspaper rat nuts uh they become familiar with what's in the ad itself and it becomes to actually it becomes in the mind of the advertiser clear clearer than what the uh, objective consumer or the reader is going to see when they bump up against that ad. So, you know, sometimes you can be way too close to it and, and uh, not really realize that uh, uh, putting too much in the ad, as you say, just look to, look to the other advertisers in the paper. You'll see some great examples of ads that stood out to you. And then maybe uh, if you don't have a clever idea in your own mind, <laughs> no, wait, that's already been done way too many times. Don't do yeah, that. That would be a, that would be a bad thing. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. Got everything. Got it yeah. way too much. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. Hey, by the way, I want to direct you to theadvertisingshow.com. It's a great place to, uh, to check out the industry, what's going on. Uh, you're directed to theadvertisingshow.com at uh, many different places uh, on the web. Uh, a lot of different people have us up on the, uh, on the web as a, you know, a click-through to, uh, uh, to our site. And uh, it's got uh, not only uh, the current shows that we run after we get done uh, performing the show, uh, available on an RSS or a podcast. Uh, which is cool, which means you can share it with your friends and family, maybe even uh, make a CD set, wrap it up, and give it to your mother-in-law for Christmas. That would be nice, wouldn't it, Brad? Yes, yes, it would. Uh, so go to theadvertisingshow.com and, and do that, won't you? And uh, stick around. We've got uh, Steve Kaplan back with us next hour for more on The Advertising Show. It's Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And The Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. want to talk about form-leading function. It's called Brand Watch, and I want to bring that up as we get back uh, uh, out of the top of the hour here in just a few moments, so uh, we'll talk about that. People, places like Starbucks and iPod. The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production. 
Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsythe. And it's officially hour number two of the advertising show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsythe. And our special guest this hour, Steve Kaplan. And uh, the advertising show being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising shows a big radio midgets production still to come this hour. In just a few minutes, uh, a brand new part of the advertising show team. His name is Joe Jaffe. Uh, the feature, a different perspective. And today we talk about the third screen. Sounds like a sci-fi adventure or something like that. Andy Borowitz a little bit later on this hour. The Wacky World of Marketing. And uh, Bruce Abbott, our uh, executive producer, is going to be talking about the jet set. So we'll do that as well. And uh, happy past Turkey Day. Ways to use turkey in ways you've never used them before. I don't know. I don't have any ideas. I, I, I'm, I'm, I like turkey one time. That's it. Done. So you don't uh, get the bread out, put the turkey, the, the cranberry, the dressing, put the other piece on top and eat it? Yeah, probably do. Yeah. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah. It gets old real quick, though, doesn't it, Brad? Well, about two bites into it, usually, yes. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, you know, speaking of uh, the, the holidays and celebrations and so forth, uh, the number one brewer, and of course that would be Anheuser-Busch, this is interesting here, is joining distillers to compete at their own game by creating a separate spirits unit called Long Tail Libations hmm. and is testing its first product, Jekyll and Hyde. Now, of course... Uh, that's the way you get, Ray, when you drink a little bit of Jekyll, a little bit of Hyde. But this is uh, <laughs> this is interesting here. Jekyll, <laughs> Jekyll is a 60-proof wild berry-flavored liquid, and Hyde is an 80-proof uh, with a hint of licorice. Uh, and apparently the two bottles intended to be mixed uh, into a single drink are, uh, drink are now being tested in about 40 restaurants and bars and uh, places like Columbia, Missouri, Denver, Las Vegas, and Orlando, Florida. You might be asking why Columbia, Missouri. Well, uh, just outside of St. Louis, not too far, and of, and of course the home of the University of Missouri, which I'm sure there's a, a bit of drinking going on on that campus, and, and uh, or not maybe on the campus, but and right now actually, yeah, right. yeah, in the area bars. But uh, yeah, uh, it's interesting. I never thought that uh, Anheuser Busch would be getting into the uh, distiller uh, business with these. Uh, Premix kind of drinks, uh, but I guess uh, anywhere you can find a new revenue stream, why not? <laughs> Good plan. Good plan. And Hyde. Eat, yeah. drink, and be merry, right? Something like that. Like Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. I don't like licorice. I'm not a fan of licorice, nor do I like any types of beverages that contain that scent. So, eh. well, you know, there's an Italian uh, after dinner drink, uh, Sambuca, and there's a, sure. a Greek, uh, a Greek. Uh, Aperitif that uh, uh, Uzo, I think it is. Uzo's right, both, yeah. Both of those, uh, that, that's, uh, those are chapters in my past. I don't do that anymore because uh, it tastes so good while you're doing it, and then the next morning you, uh, <laughs> you you swear that off, and then after about 35 times of that, you swear it off finally the last time, and you don't do it anymore. So yeah. it's uh, it's one of those things that a, a, a Sambuca goes well with a, a cappuccino after an Italian uh, dinner, uh, but it's also something that as you uh, 
get a few years past uh, 29, it, it, you can't wake up the same way. <laughs> you can't wake you can up. You bounce back the same way. That's right. Parts of you hurt that didn't hurt before. Here's, uh, here's Joe Jaffe on the advertising If you show. dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view, join us now for a different perspective. Featuring author and new marketing consultant, Joseph Jaffe. Have you ever heard of the phrase, the third screen? It's become quite a popular buzzword or phrase right now, and it really represents the screen belonging to a mobile telephone, a BlackBerry, a cell phone, etc. But there's something that I'm a little bit more interested in. I call it the third place. It's the time spent not at home, not at work. In other words, on the road. It might be a commute between work and home. It might be a business trip on a plane, in a train, in a car, in a hotel room, stuck on the tarmac, nothing to do, really desperate for content. That's the third place. And I think the third place represents an untapped opportunity for marketers for two reasons. One, the consumer is a captive audience. Not an unwilling captive audience, but one that is interested in acquiring content. That's the quality angle. But what about quantity? And by quantity, I'm talking about meaningful, uncluttered media consumption time that is currently being untapped. You can take advantage of the third place today. You can make sure that you're putting your message in front of the right consumer at the right time in the third place. This has been A Different Perspective, featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe LLC and author of Life After the 30-Second Spot. To learn more, log on to getthejuice.com. It's the advertising show. You know, Brad, the the man, uh, I, I can't pick up where, but he ain't from around here. I don't know. You know, he's just got that funny little accent there. I think it's a North Texas accent. Oh, is it really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Deep East? Just north of Amarillo, they talk like that. <laughs> That'd be Oklahoma, wouldn't it? No. Yeah, it would. <laughs> oh, uh, let me hey, let me talk something. Uh, we, we've got a couple of minutes here. I, I, we mentioned last hour, uh, at the end of last hour. This is interesting. This is an article this week in uh, one of the day's uh, smart briefs uh, from the American Advertising Federation. And it says, Brand Watch, form leading function. In an increasingly design-conscious world, brands must sweat the small details to grab consumers' attention. And, and the reason I'm saying this is I want you to listen if you are a business owner or an agency. There are a handful of iconic brands that have the most charisma. That's according to Arnold Worldwide Executive Creative Director Robert Wong, who also spent two years as creative director at Starbucks. Uh, They've figured out, they've all figured out, that design is a strategic advantage. It is the smell of the coffee shops, which is true, that's Starbucks, and the touch and feel of the iPod packaging. Everybody wants that now. And folks, it's not just for iPod, and it's not just for Starbucks, it's for you. You know, it's interesting you say that, Ray. I read that article, and we're going to be working on getting uh, Robert Wong with Arnold Worldwide and others that uh, come from that area to be here on the show and talk about that because a lot of uh, agencies now are hiring uh, design uh, design professionals that are more than just designing ads. They're design professionals that design uh, products and design uh, interiors of stores and other things. And I, I can't remember exactly... Uh, what reference there was in that particular article to a particular client win recently of an ad agency, but the agency that won the particular account that they were referencing in that article came into the pitch 
and offered a uh, total redesign. Remembering now as I speak, it was Radio Shack was the account, hmm. and they were offering to go in and redesign uh, the stores and a bunch of other things within uh, beyond just creating ads for the uh, for the client, and they won the account by that being part of their presentation. So. Uh, you're exactly right. A lot of a lot of uh, a lot of things happening today in the in the area of design, and it's things that uh, you know it, it's what separates Starbucks, I guess, from your regular coffee mm-hmm. house, huh? Yeah, it's not just your product or your service; it's the way you dish it out. And if you don't dish it out right, nobody's going to want it. But if you do dish it out right, uh, everybody's going to want it. And that's 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 what we're looking for. And at that moment, we take a moment to to thoughtfully think about that, Brad. Yes, we do. Okay, we've got uh, Steve Kaplan back with us uh, this hour for three segments, and uh, we'll bring him back and put him on the radio and ask him a whole bunch of questions, and he'll give a whole bunch of answers, we hope. Yeah, he will. Back in just a minute with more on the Advertising Show. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Robert P. Soup Anderson, and here with me are the non-identical twins, Happy and Pee-wee. Hiya, Hiya soup fans, soup fans everywhere. everywhere. The gentlemen here are going to demonstrate how we split peas for our soup rather than... Hey, Brad, I've got to tell you, too, I was in the supermarket doing some holiday shopping, and they still make that soup, by the way. I think we'd wondered about that, right? Yes, we've been curious about that. Where did you find that? Well, at a local local supermarket here. It's just, a, you know, it's a, uh, here in the Houston market. It's called Gerlin's, and they... They don't have many of those left, but uh, uh, I'll be doggone if I didn't see Robert P. Anderson soup. Unbelievable. Have never tried it, though. Maybe it takes a company that just has a few locations left to still have that on the shelf. Yeah, you never know. Never know. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's it. Or maybe they had some cans left over from the 50s when that commercial was out. (laughs) Our special guest is uh, Steve, uh, Steve Kaplan, author of Bag the Elephant, How to Win and Keep Big Customers out of Chicago. By the way, I want to send you to uh, Steve's website as well. It's called DifferenceMaker.com. Stephen, welcome back to the advertising show. Oh, thanks. And, Ray, you know, the, the people that go to the site, if there's a button on the top nav, get navigation right, it says free resources, free stuff. Wow. So I urge you guys to go there because free is good, right? Free is a wonderful. Lot of stuff you can download, yeah. Cool, thanks. Well, that's, that's good to know, Steve. And, and yeah, I, I, I'm sorry that I didn't get a chance to visit your site before going on the air today, and I uh, want to do that, so I'll promise to do that after the show. Right. I, I will tell you this. If it is good as good as what's in your book, it will, will be worth, uh, worth the visit. And there's so much to cover in your book. And before we get back into talking about some of the uh, content from your book, let's talk about some of the uh, climate, climate, weather-related issues that we've dealt with these uh, these past few months. Hurricane Katrina, for example. Uh, you know, I'm sure you, as a consultant and a, a business entrepreneur, can see a, uh, a situation such as Katrina and turn it around and turn it into a positive and. And give some examples of how you can take a, a less fortunate situation and uh, and take advantage, not advantage of the uh, of the situation itself from those that are are unfortunate in dealing with that, but more from a positive standpoint and how you can capture new business opportunities from such a thing such as Katrina. Yeah, there, there's there's many 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 cases here. You know, everything from restoration work. I mean, it, the thing is too, it's interesting. There's a, there's 
so much tragedy there, it's just unbelievable. But there is also an awful lot of building. I was talking to a guy uh, yesterday um, that was telling me he's, he's been down there. He's been living down there. He's been, he went down there and he, started sleep, he was sleeping in his car. I mean, there's no place to conditions that they're better now, but a while ago they weren't that great. You know, water, electricity, everything was kind of short. But what he did, his company refurbishes equipment. They, they clean equipment. That's what they do. And they started to do, they started to cut it in air conditioning cleaning company. And when this thing happened, he shifted modes, saw the opportunity. What do they need? Went down there. His elephant, right? You ready for this? The insurance companies. Hmm. Why? Because they would rather pay him to clean it perfectly than to just issue checks and buy all new equipment and all new machinery. And he's booked for the next year and a half. Booked. He's hired great- like eight people. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, what a great idea, because he is basically uh, uh, sealing the relationship with the insurance companies so that they, the insurance companies, feel comfortable in dealing with one individual, one company, as opposed to just dispensing checks. Which Absolutely. And, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, you talk about paying for yourself oh, a million times over. And then, you know, the next hurricane that hit, boom, they called him right away. He, he, you know, he's a guy, he had an air conditioning company with two employees. He's now got, I think, 35 going crazy i mean booked like i said a year and a half in two markets and it's going nuts but there's other things too and it's you know it's, it's interesting and it's you know even things businesses that aren't even there are affected by it. i'll give you an example um if um you have a company and say part of it you're a retail company and you sell you sell um bags right you know you sell whatever you do you do printing or you sell ba- paper bags or something well they're going to be re- rebuilding a lot of stuff is going on in New Orleans, which means they're going to need a lot more wood, which means there's going to be a lot less trees. A lot less trees means there's going to be a lot less pulp available to make paper products from, which means that the supply is going to go down, the demand goes up. What happens to the price? It goes up. So, and, and the, the, um, the availability of, of paper and pulp products, like, you know, for bags and boxes and, and printing, so cost of printing is going to go up. So people throughout the country, it, you know, have to start factoring that into their costs. And it really trickles, it trickles up and it trickles down, you know, both from, uh, from stemming things in, in, in uh, New Orleans and that. So well, there is, you know, there is, there's opportunities, but there's also ma- massive ripple effects that come out there. Yeah, well, uh, for the, the uh, home improvement uh, tip for the day, I guess, would be for those that have a home improvement project and their plans for spring uh, next year, they may want to postpone that, wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, the prices are going to have to be going through the roof here on some basic uh, uh, home home materials, wouldn't you think? Yeah, either that or do it now. You know, do it right now, because yeah. they ha- you know it's, it's going to take a little while till it gets to that point. But it's you know it's, it usually trails a little bit depending on where you are, what link you are in that chain, you know. And um, and so it's still you know paper still hasn't gone up that much, but it will. You know, lumber hasn't gone up that much, but it will for sure. And it's well, I mean, there's, been, there's been so many, so many things. You know, you've got guys who have had snowplow companies in Chicago. They've taken their trucks down there with, without any idea what to do. Well, they got plenty of work just in, just in, in, in you know, in um, cleaning up areas and scrapping, scrap materials, all kinds of stuff. It's incredible. Yeah, well, in the, uh, for an agency out there, if you're thinking about calling on a uh, home improvement client and getting their business, uh, the key word for next year would be cash in advance, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Right. <laughs> The uh, You know, jumping back into your book, Ray, how much time do we have left in this segment? Oh, just uh, about a minute and a half. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to hold off uh, talking about how you match the prospector with the prospect because in your book you profile 
uh, salespeople, and you have three basic types uh, and, and characteristics of the uh, uh, profiling of salespeople. And I want to be able to jump into that uh, in depth in each particular one. But just for a little bit of tease, I, I like the names here. The Sage, I think we all know the Sage or the Pal. I think we kind of know the, who the Pal is. And the third, uh, the, probably the most difficult, that being the Pitbull, uh, all three, I think uh, you, you've done a great job of naming each of these, but uh, we want to delve into great detail on each one of those profiles and be able to impart some uh, some good insight for our listeners. And uh, one final thought, uh, where, where is your book? Is your book available at Barnes & Noble and all the normal bookstores out there? Uh, yeah, it, it hit the New York Times bestseller list, so it's, it's, yeah, it's widespread distribution everywhere well, pretty much. Well, congratulations on that. When right. did you hit the uh, New York bestseller? Um, about six weeks ago. Well, fabulous. Like yeah. Well, you know, just goes to show you here on the advertising show, you know, we could take a lot of uh, guests, but uh, we, we try to only take the cream of the crop, and Steve, you're obviously one of them. <laughs> there you go. You won't yeah, find Steve's. You, go ahead, Steve. No, I'm saying i got to thank my mom for buying the 70,000 copies. <laughs> you're not in Walmart, are you? <laughs> no, not Walmart. No. Okay. You can also yeah. thank your mother for telling me to plug you like that. Because, yeah, that's um, right. Because I've got on the other line. Yeah, brownies um, will be in the mail. As a holiday gift, she bought Steve an extra segment here on the advertising show. She's a sweet lady. Yeah, perfect. There you go. Steve Kaplan is our special guest. Uh, the book is called uh, uh, Bag the Elephant, How to Win and Keep Big Customers. You know, Brad, Steve kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, a Jeffrey Gittimer type as well. Kind of got that same kind of flavor, you know? It really does. Yeah, yeah I know Jeffrey. Uh, you do? Yeah, he's, yeah a regular, he's, he's a regular contributor here on the advertising show, and it's too bad that uh, Jeffrey doesn't have any uh, energy or passion about what he does. You know? None at all. It's a shame. It really is. Yeah. It's so uh, sedate and calm. You know? Well, guys, he's from the South. What do you want? You know, I mean, you're up, you're up there in Chicago. It's uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. We've got uh, we've got another uh, interview segment coming your way with Steve Kaplan. Bag the elephant: How to win and keep uh, big customers. As uh, Steve mentioned before, if you go to uh, differencemaker.com, you're going to find a whole bunch of cool stuff up. There, including free stuff, and as Steve says, free is good. Yeah, Google, Google. <laughs> there you go. All right, we'll be back in just a minute with more with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. I also want to invite you to go to our website. It's theadvertisingshow.com, and it's got a bunch of great stuff up there that you can uh, take a look at. As a matter of fact, this show, after uh, after the show is over, of course, uh, it'll be available via RSS or podcast as well, so a lot of good stuff there, too. That's theadvertisingshow.com. Really easy to remember. Back in just a minute with more uh, with Steve Kaplan. And now, it's time for the Wacky World of Marketing. Wacky World of Marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Our Wacky Update heads to Little Rock, Arkansas, where AP reports, If you've got an extra $40 million to burn, how about a new jet for that special someone on your gift list? DeSalle Falcon is showing off its new corporate jet. The plane was rolled out of a hangar in Little Rock, Arkansas, where the finishing touches will be applied to the Falcon 7X. The plane has the range to take you and your friends just... Just about anywhere, nonstop from Little Rock to Tokyo, for example. Even with a sticker price of $40 million, there are some extra cost options. A 24-karat gold-plated bathroom sink is available, as are matching gold-plated screws and gold-plated door hinges. The perfect gift for anyone on your list. 
And that, my friends, is the wacky world of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Hot dogs, armor hot dogs. What kinds of kids eat armor hot dogs? Fat kids, skinny kids, kids who climb on rocks. Dog kids, sissy kids. On the advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. We know you're tired of turkey at this particular point, so we offer hot dogs. Unfortunately, Brad, I eat turkey hot dogs, so that's the way it goes. Yeah. (laughs) How did I do that? Steve Kaplan for one final segment out of Chicago. The book is called Bag the Elephant, How to Win and Keep Big Customers. And uh, So did you, like, read uh, specific passages in uh, Jeffrey's book and then just uh, come up with things on your own or what, What, Steve? (laughs) No. We're actually very, very, very different. Different. Hey, he's wonderful. He's great. But we're, yeah, yeah. you know, very, very, very different. He's, you know, I don't know if he's more of the big customers. You know, it's kind of a different kind of a thing. No, no. I'm just joking. I know you but guys. He's a publisher, actually. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, yeah Bart Price. Yeah, yeah. That's great. They did the Little Red Book of Selling, huh? Well, we'll give uh, Ray Bart, as I recall, as the uh, president and owner of that. Yeah, he's great. Up there. Yeah. yeah, he is, and apparently he's very selective about the authors that he brings on, and he obviously is uh, good at, at uh, noticing uh, talent out there. As having chosen both you and uh, Jeffrey, both New York uh, Times bestsellers, uh, I believe Jeffrey's still on the top uh, top ten list. Uh, if not, was just recently the last time I checked. Let's jump back into some content from your book, uh, Steve. In in your book, you talk about matching the prospector to the prospect and being able to profile your salesperson. Let's go over these three basic types and their characteristics. First, uh, you call one the sage. Right. The sage is it's kind of like kind of like mentor selling. You know, once you get in and get to this fabric of the company, you start understanding. As I will talk about the different processes that they do, how things get done, who's what in the organization. You're in there affecting change. You're in there making. You're going to you're going to understand. And it happens quickly. You're going to understand and know more about how to get around and navigate that company than anybody. It's it's really an amazing thing. You begin to be able to sell more as a at a mentoring role. You know they they're going to they're going to be comforted comforted by you they know you're not going to let them down and you know things about that company how to get things done that they don't even know because most of the time we are talking to influencers and not purchasers and they're going to be, feel very comfortable they're not in the risk business and they're going to be comfortable they know they know that we know what we're doing and also a lot of you know a lot of your listeners I'm sure spend a ton of their time training their clients tons of them do and that's really stage selling too and you kind of feel like you're training them because this is all we do you know, we're specialists, we're experts in the, in, the, in the things that we sell and what we do. But quite honestly, you know, the execution of that is just one of many things that our clients do. So you know, we should be expert with them. So that's an important thing. And many times in selling, I would say things like, you know, yeah, you want to talk to other competitors for sure. But if you do, don't forget, file your Form S-16 right away. Make sure you talk to public relations you know, on this quickly because they'd like to know. Call Debbie over in purchasing and let her know because, you know, she gets upset if it's not, she doesn't know quickly. All these things about their organization, file your originating documents, all these things that you're going to be able to say that they're going to just, you know, be like, wow, you know what, i got to go with this guy because he's not going to let me down. He knows. So that, that, that's what I call sage selling. 
Yeah, and, and is that kind of sizing up your prospect to know that they want that type of uh, treatment and being able to shift from the sage to the next uh, uh, the next one that you described, that being the PAL? Yeah, I mean, you should know from the time they pick you up in the lobby and walk you to SW4 conference room or walk to their cubicle, you should know. It's almost like it was a recipe. You know, we all have each of these characteristics in us, the sage, the pal, and the pit bull, but one of them we're most comfortable with is dominant. But we need to really ask ourselves, you know, what do we want to be you know, with this particular call? And you should know from the time they pick you up to the time that you get to their, um, you know, you get to their um, cubicle or office exactly how you want to be. You know? So the second one, the pal, you were just asking me about that, Give you a quick example, Hershey Chocolate Company, wonderful company, great company, great client of mine for years, wonderful people. But it's an interesting company. The retention there is amazing. Nobody leaves that company. I think you get a job because it's willed to you, I think. They treat their employees wonderfully. It's great. Um, but to go there as a pit bull very aggressively, for example, you are not going to be effective at all. So, you, you know, that's a, that's a typical pale sale. You know that going in. But... If when you go there, you're, you're, you go there and you meet your prospect that you're selling to, and you find out, you know, on the walk there that, that they're one of the few recent hires, and they're from a culture that you know is a little bit more aggressive, you might want to throw a little pit bull in there. You might want to close a little bit harder. So, you know, you can you need to think of it. And what I what I I advocate is being really a chameleon, where you could be a little bit of each of these when you need it, and that's what's really important. That's what's really effective. So you can have a meeting. You can have eight meetings a day. You're a little bit different in these meetings, and you, and you can size up quickly just, you know, what flavor you need to be in terms of to resonate well and to relate best to the person buying. You know, for one that's been, uh, had, had my share of uh, salespeople call on me, it seems that most uh, have one particular personality, and they try to just kind of, you know, throw that at you with their sales effort. And I think if there's a takeaway for our audience, it's the ability to be able to kind of, you know, uh, adjust to the uh, prospect and get a feel for what it is that they're looking for and be able to uh, deliver on that. And so many times I've seen, and I know Ray and I've talked about this before, that they come in with the one-size-fits-all and you sense that. And, uh, and and just, you know, I guess the more successful salesperson is able to become a chameleon and, and really uh, uh, customize them uh, and their approach to the prospect. In your book, uh, Steve, you talk about lavishing plenty of attention on an elephant company by returning calls quickly and addressing problems immediately and, and so forth. I'm curious, has there ever been a situation where this type of at-your-beckoning-call type uh, service has backfired, giving the uh, impression that you're desperate for that particular client or you don't have any other clients other than and, and let's hear that answer in less than 30 seconds, Steve, okay? No, of course that's actually that's a, that's a great great question. Uh, the the answer the answer is no because um, what you're doing is providing service for them. Right? They, they expect it. You know, they want you to know that you're there that, that you're there for them. And like I said, and if you're not, they're, you, they're going to be gone. So you really need to do that. And no, you're not going to appear desperate at all. It's, it's really more of an expectation. Steve Kaplan, thanks for being with us here on the Advertising Show. Back in just a minute. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. You're like no other babe ever born. You're fabulous, babe. You know how to reach out and show your love, babe. You're fabulous, babe. You're one of the boys, but you're a real girl, babe. You're fabulous, babe. You're a beautiful thing to be close to, babe. Fabulous, babe. 
Fancy Advertising Show guest of the uh, Advertising Show today get a free sample of Babe. You see, we found some of those in a warehouse in an old Target store. So, Steve, that's for you. We spare no expense here for our guest. Thanks, guys. <laughs> One more segment with Steve Kaplan, the uh, book Bag the Elephant, How to Win and Keep Big Customers. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, uh, Steve, uh, did you have any more that you wanted to talk about as far as uh, over over uh, selling or over-servicing, I should say, a client? I've got many questions here for you. So what, what, ha- so what happens is part of the of what they do with their prior um, supplier procurement program and, and things like that is, is, is the, many of them leverage their scale, right, which means they, they beat up on us poor little guys for pricing. So they, they know what business you do to, to be a proof in there. They know um, your total sales. They know what percentage you are of their total sales. So, you know, you really, you, know, you really have nothing to gain that much by, you know, playing hard to get or anything like that. You know, it's a situation where it's, it's like anything else. It's just like, you know, you want, it, you want to uh, you know, ask that pretty girl out on a date, you know, and maybe you guys will have better luck than me on that. But, you know, so you want to do that, and, you know, you want to, you know, you want to be attentive but not too attentive kind of a thing. It's the same kind of thing here. You want, you know, with these, with these businesses, you know, you want to, um, you know, you need to respond to them. So I always had a rule with the companies, if a client called or a prospect called or anybody, customer called, anybody in my company, we had 10 minutes to return that call to them. Hmm. And in the age of Blackberries and PDFs and mobile phones, it's a very simple thing to do. Just leave numbers where you are. And I never really monitored my sales force as long as they were producing, but this is an easy thing to do. And I got told countless times how impressive that was in terms of the quick response. They expect that. They don't get it from everybody. They don't even get it from every, every small company. It, it puts you at a little bit of an advantage. Well, I think that's good advice. You know, you also list in your book, Steve, five killer mistakes that many businesses uh, make after landing their first big client. Let's let's t- uh, talk about your top two or three. Sure. The first one happens a lot. You know, I'm t- sitting there and and uh, you know I, I'm I'm selling an elephant and I'm t- I'm talking. You know, Brad called me and say, hey, you know, Steve, you know, this is great. You know, business is good. I'm really happy that uh, you know your company is really doing a great job and. You know, we just love working with you for the past three years, but you know what? My budget just got cut. I got to go. You see 80% of your business walk out the door. Or, Steve, this is Ray. Hey, great news. I just got promoted. And I'm like, uh, oh, great. You know, my contact's going. Mm-hmm. So this client dependency is a big issue. And over 50% of the companies, that said, are client dependent. So we need to be careful about that. We need to manage that. Uh, that's one of them. Also, um, getting paid. Big one. Huge one. Right, you get a contract, it's going, you know, it's going good. You sign a $2 million contract, a ten, a uh, $200,000 contract, whatever it is. You're doing, you're real happy. Two months later, your bookkeeper walks in and goes, Steve, we can't meet payroll. They're like, well, we just got this big account. They say, yeah, but they haven't paid anything. Right? You need to get paid. So there's things, you, you know, you can do on there. Like I said, managing the PO purchase order process, that's a big thing. Uh, meeting the people and purchasing, billing as soon as you can. There's things you can do with that. That's a couple. And then dealing with client crisis. That's a huge thing, too. You're going to have a problem. How you deal with that is important. And in today's world, it's very rare that we have the opportunity to show what we're made of, what our business ethics and our morality is, that we're really a partner. We compete in price and service and quality. Well, here's something that says, hey, I'm a stand-up person. And it's nice, you know, when, when you can do that. I think that's great advice on the uh, on the being able to handle the slow pay because a lot of large companies can uh, can live in a slow pay world and uh, all their suppliers are willing to play that uh, slower pay than than others and unless you can uh, weather that long long uh, cycle there you're really setting yourself up for failure you know a lot of uh, 
larger clients are notorious for being slow in their decision making as well. I would imagine that could be a uh, present a problem for a lot of the smaller smaller companies trying to reach out for bigger clients. What's your advice to handling that kind of thing? It is. I mean, you have to, we have to understand it's, it's an inve- you're making an investment here with these big companies. You're, you know, you're, you're, while you're learning how they process and how they make decisions, you get, once you get in there, you get really good at it. I mean, you really know what areas, what departments, what people make, what kinds of decisions are made quickly, which ones are not. So you, you, you cycle it. You cycle these. I'm going after these kind of accounts. Then I'm going to long-term accounts. In the meantime, I'm going to knock down these shorter shorter big ticket accounts because they're you know it's, it's it's on the front burner kind of a thing and you begin to know that but you have to understand i'm not i'm not saying you can have success in in five minutes here give yourself you got to give yourself you know eight months to see this you know to see this start paying results mm-hmm. and and if you and if you're in a situation and you you can't uh, deal with the patients is it just something you just should not pursue a larger larger client if you don't have the the ability to weather the storm yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I'm not going to say whether the storm. I'm not saying the things about financing these companies and things like that. But you need to be ready for success, and you need to be prepared to buckle up and you know and, and do what it takes. Out of time with uh, Steve Kaplan. Steve from Chicago. Thanks for being on the advertising show. Thanks so much, guys. Go get the time. book. It's Bag the Elephant: How to Win and Keep Big Customers. We have Andy Borowitz on the way here in just a moment with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Norman, there's something I have to tell you. It's my breath. No, it's your feet. Summer 72. Norman Lassiter has hot, sweaty feet. His socks squeak. I feel like the village beast. Poor Norman. That's a Chuck Bloor spot. On the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth for Ammon's Foot Powder. We, of course, use that regularly here on the advertising show and offer it to our guests in the green room prior to the show so their feet don't smell either, right? right. Something like that. Uh, Andy Borowitz, always fun, and, uh, well, he's always on top of things. Where he finds this stuff, I'm not sure. Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for the advertising show. And now, here's this week's feature from the Borowitz Report. In a new poll released this past week, North Korean President Kim Jong-il scored an approval rating of 100%. That's the same number he's garnered every year since seizing power in 1994. The reclusive Kim, who rarely makes public appearances except to threaten the world with incineration, held a press conference to gloat about the latest numbers and to announce that he would seek re-election for life. At the press conference, a beaming Kim said that his high approval rating was proof that his program of reprocessing spent nuclear fuel rods instead of producing food was overwhelmingly popular with the people of North Korea and that he would stay the course. According to the poll, Kim scored particularly well on issues of trust, with 100% agreeing with the statement, everything Kim Jong says is true and everything everyone else says is a lie. Additionally, 100% agreed with the statement, I will promise to agree with all of these statements if you will agree to stop pointing that gun at my head. At his press conference, Kim reserved a few jibes for the current president of the White House, saying he was willing to give President Bush 10 of his approval points in exchange for a light water nuclear reactor. White House spokesperson Scott McClellan was dismissive of Kim's offer, but added, make that 20 points and we'll talk. Elsewhere, after he was accused by police of reckless driving, 
NASCAR driver Kurt Busch was suspended by his team and replaced by actress Lindsay Lohan. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from the Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to BorowitzReport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby. Well, Andy has that uh, holiday spirit, you can tell, in his column, right? Yeah, you know, Michael Jackson just announced that he's going to be opening a chain of Korean restaurants. He's got a name for him already, One Young Boy, I think he's going to be calling him. Jeez, oh, okay. Can you say that on that, the radio? That was Brad from uh, from Stony Lake in uh, Ontario, Canada. Yeah. Well, one of my nine children just whispered that to me during the uh, Borwood segment, and I decided, well, we'll go ahead and play that out on the air and see how that how that plays. Was that Judy? Judy? No, it was Jimmy Bob. You just said it was your daughter. <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't have any kids, you can't keep track of this. Stuff. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. Anyway, we love Andy Borowitz, and uh, we love talking to Steve Kaplan today. Bag the Elephant, How to Win and Keep Big Customers. And um, look forward to uh, to next weekend, which will be December already. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then before you know it, 2006. And, of course, GM will have to come up with something new for 2006 because the red tags will be gone. Uh, Todd Peters is Vice President of Brand Management at Staples. Well, that's great. That'll be fun to talk with Todd. Yeah, and you know, uh, what I love every year about Thanksgiving is that all the local news people can can get back on TV and they can say, this will be the biggest shopping year of the, uh, shopping weekend of the year. Right. And uh, it's like, you know, after a while, couldn't they just take certain segments of the news and just keep redoing them over and over? I mean, there's nothing, they don't come up with a new angle. They go out to the shopping malls and they report from out there and they, you know, do all that. It's kind of like when a, uh, when a flood happens or a, uh, a tornado, they always interview one guy and he says, I've lived here for 40 years, and I've never seen it this bad. I mean, where where did they find this guy? He's always the same guy, and he always says the same thing. But, you know, these these news people, they need to find a different way to announce that Thanksgiving weekend is the biggest retail weekend of the year. Mm -hmm. How can you do it differently next year? you got a whole year to think about it. Well, they don't, though, because they, it comes up on them just like everybody else. It's like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be Thanksgiving. What are we going to do? Well, we'll go to the malls, and, and we'll figure out, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, good news here for, for Walmart shoppers. No blue light specials. Uh, uh, Curvation is enjoying record sales, plus-size lingerie, uh, and now available at other major retailers. So uh, Queen Latifah and Curvation spokesperson, uh, the brand is selling not just intimate apparel, but a whole plus-size lifestyle based on unapologetic confidence. How about that? It, so it started at Walmart, and now it's being sold elsewhere. Exactly. Wow. Amazing, huh? It's a great uh, launching pad, I guess, for certain products. And, you know, frankly... Uh, I thought that was a great idea when they uh, decided to launch that there at Walmart because it certainly was a captive audience for the uh, plus-size lingerie market. And uh, it's a good example of being able to, I guess, take a successful idea and once it launches successfully, move it into other retail channels. Makes a lot of good sense, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Shop safely this weekend and, and get into the holiday spirit. And we're so happy that you've taken time out of your busy shopping weekend to at least uh, turn into the advertising show. We, we do this every weekend, you know. We come here and we just do it and people listen to it. How weird, huh? 
Thanks to Steve Kaplan, Bag the Elephant, How to Win and Keep Big Customers. Uh, check out Steve's book. It's a top ten uh, bestseller. December the 4th, Todd Peters is with us, Vice President of Brand, Brand Management at Staples. Talk about good stuff. What great advertising they have as well. So we look forward to start, uh, talking with uh, uh, Todd uh, next week as well. Remember, we want you to go to theadvertisingshow.com to find out more. The Advertising Show, sponsored by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth is a Big Radio Midgets production, and we'll see you next week.